And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E.com. You hear that? I hear it. Should we get it out? Yeah. We should see if we can get it out. Can we isolate that train? There it is again. Oh, man. Man, it's going to come to our building. Well, the beauty of being a very, very wealthy Fortune 500 company such as Ruinous, we get to choose where we put our studio. Yeah. And the ambience of the train sound is exactly what we wanted. Seagulls and trains. Yeah, why are the seagulls so loud here? They cut through louder than the um, trains. Yeah, I don't know. What a frequency those little rascals have. What is that new sound? It's a jet airplane. Really? Yeah. Flight path. It must be cloudy or something. I hope we don't hit any of our seagulls. Need to repair ambience in your audio production? Check out Isotope, makers of audio repair, mixing, and mastering software and plugins. Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope software by using code FRET10 at checkout. Go to izotope.com. Enjoy the show. Hi, Nick. How you doing? Hey, Joe. I'm all right. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm um, here in Seattle. The sun's out for the first time in a while. Where are you? We're inverted. I'm in Los Angeles, and um, I'm I'm so grateful for one day of rain that was supposed to be five. And uh, ain't that the story of both our lives in these respective metropolises? Are you happy that it's one day of rain, or you want five? I essentially want Los Angeles with uh, Seattle's weather. I think it would be much nicer down here. Um, well, happy New Year, and happy no more 
Donald Trump administration, yeah. to say the least. Yeah, glory, hallelujah. We made it to the finish line without any uh, uh, war of ego. I was just, it's just the thing where you're holding your breath waiting for like an absurd, uh, true disaster besides a botched pandemic. <laughs> um, but it's a good, it's a good year. Yeah, 2021. Yeah. How are you feeling about the new administration? Oh, I think it's going to be a lot more of the same, but um, I would like there to be uh, no Keystone Pipeline and um, some rational approach to uh, governance. I um, I would have liked it if Bernie made it past the primaries, but there's no uh, turning back now. So, Yeah. How about that Bernie meme that is everywhere? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's even uh it made it into some photos from my new records uh sessions one of the photographers made sure to send a group photo with uh, really yeah i tend to line up all my guitar players in folding chairs in the room so he fit in nicely as the fourth chair oh nice that's funny i've uh i've seen so much of it i loved it for a second god then at some point i was like no more please and now it's like People are still getting pretty clever. Janet Jackson's record cover was my favorite so far. Oh, I didn't see that one. She posted it, and it's her uh, her record cover where I think she's covering her breasts with her own hands. Uh-huh. And, of course, it's Bernie's mittens. Beautiful Vermont wool. Yes. How you feeling about the, the vaccine rollout where you live? It's pretty crazy and chaotic It's here. been really interesting here. Um I actually have a bit of firsthand experience in that my dad is um, a retired fireman and they sort of put in a call out for all retirees or Anaheim fire guys to come and help with the lines and lines and lines of people like baseball stadium style. So my mom and dad both went and helped administer those. And I sort of got a, a fascinating report from the front lines. I, I think. L.A. County was a little more chaotic than uh, Central Orange County where they were next to Angel Stadium. But uh, it's just like the thing of people like camping out in lines waiting for the end of the day thing. It's I mean, frankly, I uh, (laughs) it's starting to feel like a mild uh, Great Depression vibe with a whole different tilt on it from my perspective down here. I think I've said this before, but. There's a lot in between um, the plan and the delivery, but I've wondered from the day I found out that the vaccines would be available, if they were going to employ the National Guard on a large level or some military, and I fantasized about myself volunteering. Oh, I was going to ask if you were enlisted. No. <laughs> um, in the last year... Have you picked up any any habits that you're proud of or any habits that you aren't going to tell me because you're ashamed of that you're going to tell me? <laughs> well, I got to say the way that all this shook out was really surreal because I was finishing an album as lockdown began. And um, it's almost like I, I did a water landing in the plane. I was already getting burned out and in 18 hour day studio mode the first two or three weeks of lockdown so 
in a way, I just never came out of the cave mentality of when I'm working on a record versus like on the road. So the habits I've developed that I'm ashamed of as a touring musician is is like waking up at 5 a.m. and um, doing efficient things with my time in the mornings, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> like uh, like not trying to get the extra 18 minutes of sleep before I rush to get ready for a lobby call. Uh, right. It's pretty surreal, man. And the the thing that um, ties into this, too, is I, I really started to get hit with uh, I, I got the opposite of homesickness. Like I got I got road sickness. And so I guess the embarrassing thing is in I've embraced a bit of technology and that I figured out how to put YouTube on my TV. Also, I've like never really had my TV on this much, but uh there's guys who who over the last 10 years were taking like high definition. They must look like a moron, but uh, it's like head cam footage of just walking around in various cities for like, mm-hmm. so it'll be like, you know, uh, Shoreditch Walk, August 10, 2012. And uh, it's just four hours and it'll be like in 4K. And then the guys are writing stuff below about, you know, their rigs. It's like knowing truckers or something. Um, And I'm kind of embarrassed to say that that soothes me. Like I'll just have it on in the mornings because I used to sort of get a a good walk in if I were in like, um, you know, uh, Geneva or London or Austin. I'm like I'm like a city walker guy. So L.A. is kind of difficult to get my thrills from the same way. And now I find myself in this grim, like dystopian future where I'm watching the world I long for (laughs) as if I'm walking the streets, you know? Right. I bought a TV in this pandemic and I haven't bought a TV for 20 years. Yeah. Still hard to remember that I have it, but it was fun for the first week. Yeah. What were Um, you, what were you queuing? I'm also not like, um, I don't really I'll watch something, but I always was like, I would rent movies from the library before. And like, I used to have a great video rental place in San Francisco that I, that I loved with all my heart. So if people are like, did you, did you binge watch X series? Mm -hmm. It's like, no, I don't, I don't really do that. You know, that's not for me, but um, what I'm curious what you fell into because it is, I've noticed it's like a casino or a drug where it's it's gamified to to get you to engage more. Yeah. Well, it's it's too much for me. There's too many choices. Yeah. So I get overwhelmed and then I'm just like, fuck it. I just get turned off. It's not oh, even yeah. dramatic. I'm just like, whoa, look at all this stuff. That looks good. That looks good. That looks good. And then I'm then I'm done. Yeah. But that's that's like an OD, you know? Yeah. You're like too much. But what you reminded me of when you were talking about this high def video um, is a show that I did watch and I really like it. It's called how to with John Wilson and it's a narrative based off previously shot film in New York city. And it's oh, funny. interesting. Okay. Like it's, they bought a bunch of stock footage or something kind of. He shoots it. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. It's really interesting it's one of the most interesting shows i've ever come across and it's for me it's pretty soothing to watch and it's super weird and funny 
I will investigate. I, have you observed this where like almost everything made by Amazon Studios or Netflix looks like the um, straight to DVD section of like Blockbuster Video 20 yeah. years ago? <laughs> I, I have. <laughs> it's like, oh, the digital trash can. Yeah. And and now that's that seems to be the front page. It's like the novelty initially was you're like, wow, they have all the, you know, I can see uh, Jules and Jim or I can watch Goodfellas or I can watch, uh, you know, Ali. Oh, I never saw that when it was out. And now it's like 10 things I don't know. And I watch 30 seconds of the teaser and I'm like, this is a straight to VHS yeah. film. It's a lifetime movie in this yeah. weird way. Yeah, I have noticed that. One other thing that's also related to walking to me is the Fran Lebowitz documentary that Scorsese did. It's really fun and she's funny and quirky. Again, it's for me, it's kind of soothing to watch. And she walks a lot and there's a lot of footage of her walking in New York and it's made me walk envy. Big oh, city man. walk envy. My, uh, my diehard New Yorker saxophone player um she told me that i really need to watch it so that's, that's yeah my viewing assignment i've I, she said it'll tickle the same bone so i'm glad to hear that you've had the same experience with it yeah think about this when you're done watching it or while you're watching it i would like to offer her a certain amount of money to spend a week with her <laughs> walking around uh-huh I like just wanna, uh i like, just want to hang with her and yeah it's like uh hiring a sherpa in the yeah. hills of Tibet. Yes. Just just see her in New York. Yeah, you could tell her that you don't even, she doesn't even need, I mean, I'm sure that she would tell you she's not going to give you any direction, but uh, yeah, <laughs> just, I just wish to be a silent observer. Exactly. When was the last show you played? Technically... This was actually pretty remarkable. My birthday is coming up. It's February 8th. And um, last year on my birthday, there was a big sort of uh, all-star tribute to Ray Charles at the Terragram Ballroom in L.A., which is a pretty cool room run by the Bowery Presents people. And I got to do one song. And uh, I was DJing next door at the Monty Bar. And I spent a lot of rhythm and blues and like soul 45s and uh tend to tour doing that um mm -hmm. with with like dj friends and just by pure kismet they had booked like some of my favorite people from new york and overseas were all djing four doors down from that venue so i went to the pacific dining car i had dinner with my best friend who shares a birthday with me walked down the street put on my guitar played one song with the Ray Charles 14-piece band All-Stars, and then walked next door and spun records all night. So it was it was truly like a death row dinner for me. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Yeah, and and that sweet taste was the last thing that I got from um, from the nightlife, I guess you could say. Man, that that'd be a great short film, a a night in the life with Nick Waterhouse. It was it was pretty magical. I I didn't I didn't really plan it to be that fun, but it really things stacked up pretty well you know well happy birthday in advance if i don't see you i Thank doubt you. i'll see you but you know you never know hey if um if you volunteer uh <laughs> within the next week maybe they'll dispatch you to, to the la quarantine zone that's right laqz 
I might give you a vaccine next week. <laughs> we <laughs> don't know. Shoot me in the arm. Yeah. <laughs> My birthday is Monday. Oh, no way. Aquarius February tonight. 1st. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe in that stuff? I don't know if I really, really do, but I like to pl play around with it. Yeah. Have you observed interband dynamics that confirm profiles in astrology? The short answer is no. That's a bad habit you could develop during quarantine if you want. It is. Rather than writing uh, memoirs or doing a podcast, you could create a giant chart wherein you document relationships between everyone you've worked with in terms of <laughs> signs. <laughs> uh, this is the first time I've said this publicly, but I think I'm going to write a book called Lead Singer. Yeah? Uh-huh. I think so. And can you do you wish to expound? I have two I have two titles in the pocket for my my books. Let's hear them. Mine is still lead singer. I can tell you what the what the what the idea of the cover is going to be, which okay. is going to be a lead singer's butt. His butt. Yes, that's the With likely, you know, maybe a crash symbol or something in the foreground. That was one of my favorite Iggy Pop quotes when he talked about why he quit playing drums. Too much butt time? He said he was tired of watching skinny white asses wiggle around. <laughs> Man, he really he really turned that around. Yeah, he, he got his revenge. <laughs> you know. Uh my my book my book titles, which uh this is these I've never told anyone publicly. Um my first is uh is my memoir, you know, the kind that you put out when you're in your like 50s or 60s i'm using my model here as like a peter o'toole or michael kane where where they do the one that's like this is my bio and they're 59 and then when they're 78 they're like this was my real bio right the first one because my career technically started like my professional career with my first commercial release was in 2010 so 10 to 20 as uh the anis Mirabalis, the miserable years. Um, I really feel that I observed firsthand the change in the ecosystem of music fully. Like, uh, it's almost like the financial crash occurred in slow motion and the transition to being pure purveyors of content versus music wholly happened in my time. So, uh, mm -hmm. Idiots in the Meme Factory, my time in the music business of content. This is thought out. This isn't, you're not just, this is, you're not just having a conversation with me. Oh, no, man. I've been riding around in a van with that in my head for years now. So <laughs> this great. The second, the second one when I'm old is going to be more of a personal memoir that'll be called um, uh, Be Yourself. No, not like that, <laughs> which is my experience in the music business as well. I want you to write an, my time with Pro Tools, maybe, too, after the after third one. Yeah. Or Believe It or Not. Believe It or Not. Um, my time with Pro Tools. Hearing is believing. My time with Pro Tools. <laughs> well, hey, I'd like to play The People, one of your new tunes, off the, the records coming out in April, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's the first week of April, but time is incredibly fluid right now. So That's um, right. All right, I want to play uh, place names. Yeah, here we go. Bear with us. This is it. Here we go.
today uh, thank you that's uh yeah. that's incredibly flattering sometimes you uh you work and you work on something and you're not even sure what it is anymore so if somebody likes it uh it's a good sign yeah how far out are you from from recording it and and listening to it or staying away from it i was in memphis almost a year ago leading these sessions and uh, the the way I track my records, it's all pretty live on the floor with like a placeholder vocal that sometimes becomes the lead vocal if it's good. Um, mm-hmm. But it was pretty insane. It was like I flew. Uh, there was some of us from the West Coast, a couple Southern players that I'm friends with and uh, one New Yorker. We were all in an Airbnb. And I remember that week being like, 
huh, my manager's in China with his other artist. I wonder how this is going to go. Like, maybe oh you shouldn't come to the Airbnb, man. Like, isn't this bad? And I remember him being like, well, it's fine. Everything's cool. You just got to. Wow. <laughs> so that really orients it for the listeners. Uh, yeah. There were clouds on the horizon, but we had no idea what was coming as we cut that that track. Holy smokes. So that was in Memphis, huh? That what was, studio? It's a place called Magnetic, which is run mm-hmm. by a really sweet guy named Scott McEwen, who was based out of Nashville for a long time. He is a Detroiter by birth, I believe. And he opened his dream studio in 2018. It's really cool, man. It's the exact dimensions of RCA B in Nashville in the live room. And he's got pretty nice kit. Nothing. Uh, it ain't Millionaire's Row, but he's got a great Ampex and a cool console from Sphere, which is like an early 70s sort of quad eight thing. And he has big, giant Alltech speakers, which is how I like to go into the booth and run in and enjoy what we just recorded. So speaking of that, I had an experience using, I believe those are they like three feet tall? Yeah. Giant? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I recorded a record at um, Toe Rag in London. Sure, so did I. And Liam, he, I mean, I'm sure he has all the same equipment. What, were they all techs? Yeah, 604s. He has those the gray ones that are Just like, yeah. Giant. Yeah, massive 15-inch speakers with a ton of iron. Yeah. That was an incredible experience. Which record was that? I made a record with Judah Bauer, who is the guitarist of John Spencer... Blues oh, okay. explosion. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of made a stonesy. All his records, his solo records are kind of stonesy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just called me one day when I was in Portland and asked me to do it. And I was like, fuck yes. At Toe Rag? Let's go. Yeah, man. And um, how many days were you in there? Uh, I believe five days. It went from 10 to 6. Is, are those his hours? Yeah, that's. Yeah. yeah. 10 to 6. Uh, with, with tea time. With tea time that. No Yanks can make tea. Yeah. Yep. That's the rule. Did you have any Jamaican goat? No. <laughs> I didn't either because I don't eat goat, but he did and my band members did. And um, I'm vegetarian. And the only vegetarian thing they had at the restaurants, plural, <laughs> uh, was a banana peanut butter shake, some sort of West Indy. Thing. You got had, some, you got some protein in there. You know? Yeah, I think, and I think they threw something else in there, nutmeg or something. Mm-hmm. But every day I would get one of those for lunch, and not, it filled me up all, all day. That's like, uh, if you if you became like a fitness trainer in the 1920s, that's the kind of thing I feel like would be one of your secrets. You know, like all those guys would have their weird, like, oh, what you have to do is have eight eggs raw but only with Worcestershire sauce between two and three. So you could be like a true drummer has a banana nutmeg peanut butter shake. Yeah. And only that. I call it you know, <laughs> Joe fast. Yeah, it was a, I'm, I'm going to, um, I'm going to cut this later, but I don't know if I've told this story enough, but I used the um, premier drum set when mm-hmm. I was in there mm-hmm. and I sat down and, I feel stupid about it now, but I kind of, not aggressively, but I started adjusting the drum kit uh-huh. closer to how I want to play. Right. Sure. And we're setting up and comes over and it's like, do you really need to, you know, lower that hi hat or move that 
cymbal stand and I was like, I want to cut down on the amount of takes. <laughs> and uh, I think this will do it if I'm comfortable. And he kind of walked off. I could tell he wasn't happy and I was a little worried. This was like hour one. So he went back in to get some sounds, hear how I, was, how I played. He came back and he's like, could you just get it back to where it was and try that? I was like playing and it was a little, little bit of a struggle, but I figured I could, I would pull it off. But there was a symbol in the way. The crash symbol is just, I just kept hitting it, you know? And so I moved it. I, I got it all back and I moved the symbol probably four inches, maybe on the stand just to get it out of my way. So it wouldn't fuck up a take and everything else was back to normal. And he's in the control room and I move it. I play for a minute, come back and he goes, did you move that symbol? And I was like, I did, but like two inches. He goes, could you put it back, please? <laughs> yeah, man. I didn't put it back. He called me on it. He comes out into the control room, puts it back and says, you'll get used to it, mate. Ah, uh, yes. Yanks. And I did. <laughs> college or as they call it their university in um in a village called norwich and i had some london friends so i was coming into town all the time and i i was 19 and i booked a day session at toe rag for 300 pounds to cut three songs with uh my band that i had gotten together where we were playing around but it was a very funny experience i was curious and um, yeah you gotta respect uh, now that I've been on the other side too, as a, I guess as a producer, I don't, I don't really like holding that title, but um, there's a, there's an air of Ahab, right, to a man trying to get a sound, and I, I like it. You know, that's part of what makes this world so interesting, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, and just having, I, I do like putting limits on things. Of course, this isn't groundbreaking news or anything, but. I like putting limits on things and putting rules on things. And then if you get to the point where you're like, we have to break that rule. Yeah. You're usually at a good spot. You at least have exhausted uh, historic success. And maybe it's time to try something slightly different colored. Yeah, I think the sandbox method is a good way to get things. It's actually antithetical to exactly what you were talking about earlier with the Netflix option anxiety thing. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like it's like the same thing with Spotify, man. It's like they tell you you have everything at your fingertips, but like how how are you? It's the onus is on you now to figure out how you even navigate it. It's not even like going to the library and looking at a shelf. You're you have to search for it. So yeah, yeah, man. If there's a crash symbol that shouldn't move, you'll get used to it, mate. <laughs> God, and I really did. <laughs> I truly did. I bet you didn't sound the same on any other record. No, I didn't. See, I love that stuff. I, love I do too. You know, a guy that uh, that that helped Liam build that place, Mark Neal. He's a great engineer and producer. A really cool bridge from like traditional sound recording techniques to to now. Like, he's probably one of the only people who really comprehends it all the way. And talked to some of the guys who you know would be making a record in the '40s or the '50s or the '60s. Mm -hmm. um, 
he i heard one of the things he always did was he would issue a drummer a set of sticks when they arrived that were very they were like chopsticks they were so they were so light and and drummers would be confounded by it but but again it's that you'll get used to it yeah that's great did he build a studio in san diego yeah he was in la mesa i think uh he's, he's in georgia now yeah he was in san diego forever the Telltale Hearts. Did you ever hear that song? The Trains. It's on uh, the Modern Nuggets. Um, mm. Really, a bunch of really cool kind of like like bomp records, eighties, sixties influence bands that honestly are way cooler out of the context of being a revival. They have their own thing. It's like all those cool uh, Paisley Underground bands. There was a whole thing in San Diego. The Crawdaddies and I got to discover that. Yeah, and most of those aren't on the digital realm. It's like LPs, you know, or comps or like weird European comps I'd always find in Spain or or uh, Italy. And it's like funny to be discovering music that was, you know, 60 miles south of where I was born five years before I was born somewhere yeah. on the other side of the world. Yeah, I was just listening to the Fleetwoods. Wow. I didn't, I always thought the Fleetwoods were from, they're from Olympia. I always thought they were from L.A. Weren't I would have, if you asked me, I would have guessed that they were from Burbank. You know, my impression was the Fleetwoods, like a lot of, uh, you know, p- pardon my, um, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a Californian that looks down on the, on the provinces, so to speak. But <laughs> I understood that the recording scene that begat us, the Kingsman and Louie Louie, could have only happened with the Fleetwoods as like the impetus for. Uh, studios and stuff you know right like uh the same way that in in uh the midwest there'd be like some studio in ohio or milwaukee only because there was a like a pop group but you know they have some really cool songs have you heard the canned heat john lee hooker record yeah (laughs) that is brand new to me my bass player of cold war kids sent to me the other day and i was like this is the filthiest fucking (laughs) most wonderful record i've heard in a long time i mean canned heat kind of they were pretty ape they went for it yeah i thought it was really interesting that uh that like apparently jim morrison at the end of the doors like hated the concept of the doors uh you know what people would consider pretentious or you know or Oh, another modal song wherein it's poetry, and all he wanted to do was turn them into canned heat. Uh, oh, which is why like "L.A. Woman" and all that record sounds so gritty. And he was like, "We should just play the blues like canned heat, man." And he would go to all their shows. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, that was him trying to throw off the shackles of the uh, the God Bod Morrison that's painted on the walls of you know Kate Ashbury. <laughs> yeah. Have you been listening to anything new? Anything new to you? That is, have you been psyched on anything? Yeah, let me think. Um, uh, I, I really love Bruce Langhorn. I don't. Do you know who that is? I don't. So Bruce Langhorn is like a deep, deep guy, and this all got triggered because I bought some of his hot sauce. He he <laughs> he he used to live in Venice Beach in L.A. Um, he was like a Caribbean dude who was one of the few like brown faces in the new york folk revival scene mm-hmm. and he was he's the he's the guitar all on the um mid-period electric dylan stuff like the second guitar that isn't bluesy like the fluttery guitar like on um love minus zero 
And his thing was that he he had lost three of his fingers, and so he couldn't fret like a normal person. It's almost like a Django Reinhardt situation. So he would always play this little Martin like 1890s parlor guitar with flat wound strings and a clamp on pickup with a tremoloed Fender amp. So it was this like literally he was electrifying folk in a way that anticipated like the Dylan aesthetic. He played with Odetta a lot mm-hmm. and with uh Mimi Baez, uh Joan's sister. And um so I just kind of like went into the zone of kind of cross uh you'd you I'd like listen to some LP that he was a sideman on and then I'd be like, oh wow, cool. Like you know, and the, and I and I love getting into that thing where it's like this guy played on this other person's record, and they were friends, and this guy wrote songs, and then you read a you find a book, and you know, like Mayor of McDougal Street, or like there was a great Fred Neal book, or um, you know, I I was listening to uh, White Bicycles again, the Joe Boyd book about uh, he was a producer of like Incredible String Band and all that stuff, but he was around for the folk scene in the early '60s, so. I was listening to all these records that have Bruce Langhorn and Fred Neal on them, which is kind of cool Tim Harden vibes, like like soulful folk blues stuff. And that's what I'll do tonight. Yeah. It's a world of sound, too. Of course, like hearing me talk about it, you forget that it's music, maybe. But uh, <laughs> right. it is like when you listen to some of those recordings, you're like, damn, man, like they were going into the same room as... Uh, Miles Davis, like in 1957, like the big Columbia studios and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm going to let you go here okay. in a second, but I, um, you have any parting words for the people? Anything positive advice for our peers or the world to get through the day? Oh, man. Yeah, I, I kind of have developed this. Uh, it's not, it's not a mantra, but I, I don't know why I keep in my mind. I just keep going, um, you know, uh, you can be someone else. I, I just I just keep repeating that to myself for some reason lately. You know, uh, you can be someone else, which doesn't mean you're not yourself. Right. That's great. Well, on that. Yeah. Whether it's deciding to relearn fundamentals of rhythm guitar playing or do a hundred pushups or eat healthier. I don't know. I, I just, that, that makes a lot more sense to me than people saying like be present or be well. I don't know. Yeah. Someone. All right. Well, it was great talking to you. I hope to see you someday playing. Maybe we'll shake hands in person. Yeah, it would be a pleasure, Joe. I, uh, I always have a really good time up in Seattle anyhow. So next show I'm at Noimos or whatever you can drop by. All right. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks again. Yeah, worth the price of admission for the symbol uh, story alone, in my opinion. Oh, all right. <laughs> You'll get used to it. That's my other piece of advice. <laughs> That's the best. Cool, man. All Take right. it easy. Bye.